1: understand I chose
2: to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And
3: the I've got a problem with soccer, to has been In the, the area,
4: are oh, what a start. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Edward.
3: Everybody. Welcome, House of Champions YouTube friends. Drop your comments and questions in that chat and make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we preview this week's top UEFA action with us in the House of Champions. Today we got Michael LaHood, James Bench, and Jonathan Johnson. How are we doing, boys? Start with you, James Bench. How's it going, man? After yesterday? Yeah, yesterday was uh,
1: very thrilling and stressful and quite a hard one to write <laughs> about. I, I have no idea what to make of uh, that, that game between the Premier League leaders and Liverpool. Uh, and I suspect no one will really know until the end of the season. But by God, what a game uh, and what a way to get yourself warmed up for some some Champions League action.
3: Great game of football, interesting result at the end of the day, but another interesting result in France. PSG getting it done, JJ. Nobody expected it. Even I didn't expect it. But nice result yeah. from PSG this weekend in Nice.
4: Yeah, really heartwarming when you see the underdogs of uh Ligue 1 going uh, away from home and getting a victory against <laughs> Didier Digas' 14 game unbeaten <laughs> Nice side. No, it was uh, to be honest, it was a, a really bizarre one because even in the event of victory, there's very little to say positively about it because Nice were the better side. Bit of a, a, a dodgy sort of disallowed goal given that a slice of the ball didn't go over the line, which stopped Nice from equalizing. But them's the breaks, I guess. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big one this weekend against
3: my second favorite team in the Loss. Lovely to hear <laughs> that. And let's turn our attention to Michael Hood. Well, I'll be goddamn the Austin Texans who didn't get it done in Los Angeles, baby. <laughs>
2: No, but Manchester United got it done. Still sweating, though. Thursday, oof, going to be a tough one. Marcus Rashford, hope he gets back sooner rather than later.
3: Very calm and composed answer from Michael Hood right there. Let's hope the rest of the show remains to be the case as well. Boys, let's get into it. UEFA Champions League is back. We begin with games that are taking place on Tuesday. But if you have a look at the games that are taking place this week, it's phenomenal action. This is what we live for. This is, of course, the best of the best that are left in this tournament. Um, On Tuesday, we do have Manchester City going up against Bayern Munich, Benfica against Inter Milan. And, of course, the following day, you've got Real Madrid, Chelsea, Milan against uh, Napoli. There's a lot. To look forward to here, but we begin with Manchester City's game against Bayern Munich. You know, James, I'll come to you first on this one here. Um, I just noticed here that Manchester City are the favourites to lift this trophy this year after their performance this weekend. Everyone seemed to be raving about them with this emphatic goal from Erling Haaland, um, free-flowing football. But let's not forget who they played against this weekend, and it was an expected victory. Should we all be jumping on the back of this Manchester City to win it all in a Champions League campaign yet? Well, I mean, I think they are the
1: best team in the field and the best team in Europe by a, a significant margin. But I mean, you know, this is, it's a bit like, you know, I mean, obviously this, this week as well, we've got the NBA playoffs being drawn. And it's a little bit like, you know, you have to think about someone's route to the final. Because, so yeah, City are the best and City will be favourites against Bayern and they'll be favourites against whoever comes out at the other time, Madrid or Chelsea. But there's a lot more room for, an underdog win there's a lot more marginal games than there are on the other side of the bracket with Napoli so I to be honest I have Napoli as favorites almost by default in that you look at their path to the final and it's hard to see which of the three teams could actually knock them out even after that kind of freak AC Milan win uh 10 or so days ago that that for me is the only thing and Look, it's, you know, Man City are the best team there. um, And I think their system now is almost a little bit better for winning in Europe because they have to play around Erling Haaland. There's not much room for Pep Guardiola to mix and match and change his system at at will. But that is a really tough way to get to the final. If they get to the final, they're they're huge favourites for me, but uh, they do have to get there.
4: And obviously, uh, Thomas Tuchel knows all about coming up against Pep Guardiola in the Champions League, given that that was the final matchup in 2021 when Tuchel got the better of him. Not something that he's done that often when you look at the stats of how they sort of match up. But uh, I think this this managerial change, and I said it, uh, you know, when it happened This is really bad news for Manchester City and Pep Guardiola to suddenly see Bayern go from, you know, looking fairly vulnerable under Julian Nagelsmann, despite knocking PSG out, to suddenly looking a completely different beast under Thomas Tuchel. Yes, I know that they went out of the DFB-Pokal to to Freiburg, Uh, you know, fantastic scenes to see them go and get the the win at uh, Allianz Arena, but equally... You know, this buy-in side have shown their teeth at times. I know that they're perhaps, uh, you know, not the force that they've been in previous seasons in attack at this moment in time, but it's still going to be very, very tricky over two legs. I mean, okay, Pep's had the best of it in their two most recent meetings, uh, you know, but you look at that sort of three... Uh, that three game run where Tuchel came out on top, uh, you know, all with, uh, you know, Chelsea against coming up against City and sort of, uh, you know, some of the latter stages of competitions, the final of the Champions League, the semi-finals there of uh, the FA Cup as well. I think that this one is one where in many ways it really suits Tuchel because I think he likes to have his back up against the wall a little bit, which he does with the attacking setup at Bayern at this moment in time. And given that it's over two legs and obviously away goals don't count uh, the way that they used to, I think that here, you know, if they can avoid defeat in Manchester, that puts the pressure on City ahead of that second leg. Uh, And I think that's exactly the kind of scenario that Tuchel wants to create here. I'm really intrigued by this matchup, not just because
2: of the managerial combinations of Tuchel versus Pep, Holland versus Bayern again, who is a decent record against in terms of goal scoring. I think it's five goals in his very young career against the Bavarian team. I'm really interested to see what type of formation Thomas Tuchel comes out with. As you saw on the graphic there, back three. Yes, he had to do that with Chelsea because he couldn't rely on a back four throughout his tenure. Does he switch to a back three with Bayern Munich? He hasn't done it yet. And then you have the
3: storylines. He has has done it. First game
2: in charge. First game in charge. Ah, I stand corrected. I'm interested to see as well, Leroy Sané. Jao Cancelo, there's so many storylines, much more than just the two managers, much more than just the two heavyweights. I think Leroy Sané, he will be a big, big factor for Bayern Munich. In the last couple matches, he's been bobbing and weaving. He's come inches away from getting goals, getting assists. He will have to pick up where he left off in the group stages for Bayern Munich. He was playing as one
1: of the best players in the world. I think if he gets hot, Manchester City are in trouble i got a bit of a question for you, Ian. Watching the second game against Freiburg, uh, a 1-0 win, which obviously is good news for Bayern in the Bundesliga. But you know what? When I saw Tuchel take charge at Chelsea, it was mm. immediate. Like, the next game, as soon as he took charge, and I mean, literally, he took charge, and a few hours later, he was team was playing Wolves, and they became a defensive force overnight. And, and to, there was a little bit of luck in there. There was a little bit of bad finishing from opponents, but they were a clean sheet machine. Then you see Bayern, and I'm sure you know the chance I'm talking about the one where Ritsu Doan hits the post um, yep. about the 42nd minute, and Alfonso Davis has just entirely oh, yeah. switched off. And you see so many moments, and I think this is obviously why we teased you about there being something not right at Bayern. You clearly were right. <laughs> Is this a a thing that they can get out of their heads that Tuchel can get inside? Are they just too pre-programmed by life as being the best team in the Bundesliga by miles to get to a position where they don't make these sloppy mistakes? The other one I would say is five penalties they've conceded since the start of March. This is a team that always have these incredibly sloppy moments in them. So Ian, can Tuchel coach those out of him?
3: Listen, it's a great question and I'm glad you brought it up because obviously it's important to me that you you guys all recognize I'm not mad in the head that I recognize that fire we're not flicking, not firing on all cylinders, even though the Champions League records is telling us otherwise. Um listen offensively I think we all know that they're missing a striker and Chupo's is not the answer even though he's injured for this game as well um, it's unfortunate that he is missing because he's been in very good form it would be great to see him obviously have a performance but he's going to miss this game as far as I'm concerned I don't see him back in there um, and I, I really don't know if he could have an impact in this game whatsoever at all anyway I think defensively is the biggest key. That's my biggest concern about this team. Bayern this year have been one of my more favorable teams to bet on because they have a habit of conceding goals and conceding goals pretty quickly. Then coming back and winning games and coming back and drawing games, coming back and maybe wiping teams out. But this season, I'm recognizing something different. I'm recognizing that there's a vulnerability defensively. There's a lack of confidence offensively. And and JJ, maybe you can touch upon this as well. Kingsley Coleman, normally the type of player, picks up the ball and you're going, this guy's going 1v1. He's going to just take it to the house. But at times, there's a hesitancy from Kingsley Coman. Leroy Zani, sure he's been one of the better players. Still a hesitancy from him going 1v1. They don't have a focal point striker. Chupo is a half-term answer right there for them right now as far as scoring goals. But defensively is my main concern. There's no way you stop Manchester City scoring goals in this Bayern defence. No chance. In both games, mark my words, Bayern Munich will score goals. If I'm proven wrong, I'll do this show in my kill. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Because I, I think that <laughs> Bayern are so vulnerable right now. And it was proven, of course, in the DFB Pokal Cup that, that JJ brought up there. They were opened up completely. Then gave away a penalty kick in the last minute of the game. Obviously, unfortunate with the handball against Musiala. But still opened up completely. And then there's not much you can do about bangers from 25 yards. But... The chances they're giving up at the weekend, James, that that one you talked about off the post, like lack of concentration, lack of cohesion. And Tuco was furious on the sidelines at certain times in that game where he knows he's got his work cut out to to get this right in the Bundesliga, let alone in the Champions League. I think these two games against Manchester City, including the one at home in particular, the one at home against City, will find out exactly who Bayern Munich are. Mike, you think that Bayern Munich can go through in this tie? I don't think Bayern Munich have a chance in hell of going through against Manchester City over two ties. They may get a result against City in one of the ties, but there is not a chance in hell that this Bayern Munich side, even under Tuchel, who did get an immediate reaction against Dortmund, even under Tuchel, I don't think they've got the pieces to be competitive over two games. And it reminds me, sorry, I'm going on a bit here. It reminds me of the tie that Bayern faced against Liverpool. I don't know if you guys remember... A while back, was it nineteen twenty or something like that? It was nineteen or eighteen, whatever it was, one of those two years where I was going to the Alliance arena, went to the game to watch them against Liverpool, and even the Bayern fans were saying, We can't compete with this team. They're just too good. And I think Bayern know that Manchester City are just too good on that one. Is that all right, James? Is that a good enough answer? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty thorough that, wasn't it? <laughs> could
1: have
4: gone <laughs> we're, we're gonna be we're gonna be stretching into volume two of this podcast <laughs> yeah. if we've got any more answers like this. Can you, can you guys give me a ribbing for for my detailed responses. Uh no, but it really it's uh it it is fascinating and I'm keen to see sort of what Tuchel does with Bayern sort of moving mm. forward beyond this season, because obviously there's a lot of potential there and there is potential for him to tighten up that back line. There are still some quality elements to it, even if they do uh, you know, ship a lot of chances, it will be you know interesting to see as well what happens with Manuel Neuer when he comes back in his fit whether Tuchel sees to reinstate him or continues with someone like Jan Zoma, or perhaps if Nubel uh you know ends up coming back from uh, from Monaco but that's you know uh, you know cross that bridge when we come to it. But in terms of sort of what Tuchel is trying to get out of his players now, what re- what I really noticed very early on, certainly in that first game against Dortmund, is that certain players have responded a little bit to Tuchel in terms of the ruthlessness that they've shown. Now Thomas Müller, who sort of made a career out of being ruthless in front of goal, suddenly wakes up under Tuchel. Whether he's able to still do that, you know, at this level against quality opponents like Manchester City, we're about to find out. But I think that's going to be something that's really important for Tuckle to do with this buy-in side probably not in time to knock City out over two legs here but sort of in terms of his his tenure overall is getting Bayern to be ruthless again because they haven't recently you know dropping out of the the Pokal uh, you know that gives uh, Leipzig an opportunity to really stamp their mark on that competition they've been run closer in Bundesliga this season uh, you know and for them to drop out at the quarter final stage okay it's not a complete disaster as it might have been if they dropped out against PSG but still it's not what Bayern are accustomed to and I think when they looked at the the possibility of bringing Tuchel in and replacing Nagelsman with him is to reassert that kind of dominance. And in order to do that, for in order for Tuchel to succeed, he's going to have to get that entire team to be way more ruthless than they've been in the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, I'll just keep it very quick, and I think everyone's said their piece and said it well. Matchups I'm looking for in this match that no one's keeping an eye on and no one will look at. On the surface, Jack Grealish versus Benjamin Pavard if Tuchel goes with a back three or puts Pavard at right back. I think Jack Grealish, he is one of the unsung heroes of this Manchester City team, Benjamin Pavard. He will have to have one of his best games at the Etihad to just – Give Byron a chance. And offensively, without choupo Moting, keep an eye on Serge Gnabry if he gets the start. Byron have been searching for a striker. Gnabry got the start at the weekend. He has not looked like himself. I think that's been the big difference this season in attack. No Lewandowski. Last season, Gnabry, he was prolific getting goals as a winger on either side. He will have to be back to form.
3: I love that I've managed to plant a seed in Mike's head because he was so confident before I gave my detailed response (laughs) to Bayern Munich. And now that seed's planted, he's like, well, yeah, yeah, they'll all have to be on. Of course, they're going to have to be on. Listen, I have been very, very wrong about Bayern in the Champions League. You know, as much as I may have been right saying that there wasn't something quite right at Bayern Munich in the long run, in the Champions League, they've been just unbelievable i mean this has been their best performances of the season they have waited for the champions league and if Bayern play well absolutely they can get a result against city but can they play well over two games don't believe it. All right, let's move on to the other game that's taking place on Tuesday. Uh, James, I'll come to you on this one. Benfica against Inter Milan. Obviously, Benfica against uh, Porto on Friday night, I believe it was. Porto getting the victory there. Don't lose many games at home, Benfica. I'm expecting this one to be a very close affair with Inzaghi. Um, certainly on the rocks right now as far as the manager. Italian team's doing well in this competition, no doubt. No doubt. But we have recognized already what Inter can do against Portuguese teams in this competition. What are you expecting from this matchup um, in Lisbon starting with?
1: Yeah, it's a tight one. There's quite a lot here I feel like I don't fully understand yet. And I know look, you know, everyone on, on our pod loves Benfica and we're so impressed with the work they've done in the transfer market and in recruiting players to replace the ones that have gone. But Frankly, I have to say, I don't feel like I've really seen them tested against the very best that Europe have to offer. And I mean, the Juventus team they played was a shadow of Juve and PSG are not the best that Europe have to offer. Um, and I don't think they're going to be with Inter. They have massively overperformed their expected goals uh, this season in the Champions League Benfica. But then again, Andre Onana, who had that absolute shocker against selenitana has also massively overperformed his expected goals. He's conceding one goal fewer than the XG of the shots he's facing every game in the Champions League. I think one of those two things has to break. I have no idea which one. I mean, like, this is the junior varsity uh, hmm. Champions League quarterfinal anyway, isn't it? Like, I probably won't know afterwards because, you know, all eyes are going to be on Man City <laughs> Bayern. And I think this could be a sort <laughs> slightly <laughs> underwhelming game. So, uh, yeah, we'll don't do ask things. me too much about this. Yeah, I, I think
2: you say JV... Inter Milan have been playing like a junior varsity team. They haven't won a game in their last six matches, and everything is seemingly going wrong, going against Nzagi and his team. The only bright spot has been Romelu Lukaku. Gets goals... Gets the assist for Goosens at the weekend. He looks like a player who's playing with a bit between his teeth. The rest of the team is reeling. They're playing with borrowed money. I don't think they are deserving of being here. FC Porto were so close to getting the goals. They were the better team across two legs. But it's not about being the better team. It's finding a way to get results. The difference in this tie is going to come down to if Lukaku delivers and if Onana gets back to delivering that's how they won across the two ties that is how they will have to go about this Benfica team who yes they w- they lost against their rivals FC Porto Gonzalo Ramos it was awarded as an own goal but this guy is made for the Champions League he's made to lift off again in this tie not so Joao Mario goals from midfield goals spread out throughout the team is what makes this Benfica team so difficult to play against
4: I mean, I think the danger with reading so much into the numbers, especially with Benfica, is they had that one massive blowout win uh, in the group stage. That huge goal swing at the end, which brought them out on top of PSG. Um, I mean, we can't take away from what they managed to do because they were one of, I think it was just two teams in the end that went unbeaten going into the World Cup break uh, along with PSG. Uh, And obviously they've managed to keep things a lot more solid uh, since the world cup uh, you know, the, the return of club action after the world cup. But I think as well, when you sort of look into those numbers, you're perhaps a bit more blown away than Benfica than you need to be. Uh, And for this, I feel like Benfica certainly in what they've shown in the last couple of seasons should still have enough, Uh, you know, they're consistent enough They're, you know, they don't get overawed at this stage of the competition. Whereas, you know, for Italian clubs, uh, you know, it's, it's, a little bit sort of uncharted territory, based on some of the you know recent years to have this many clubs uh, you know go this far. You know, Inter are perhaps one of the more experienced clubs, uh, you know, given the amount of time they've spent in the Champions League in recent years. But they're far, uh, you know, from being even the best version of themselves that we've seen in the last couple of years since the Champions League came to Paramount Plus. So it's for me, I feel like I, I agree with Mike. I think you know, Inter are fortunate to be there, and it seems like their season's starting to unravel a little. Bit at the worst possible time, there's a lot of question marks over in Zaghi. It doesn't seem like he's going to be in charge much longer, and they'll be looking for a new coach, but equally. You know, I do think that there is a danger of perhaps overrating Benfica a little bit and this one actually being a bit tighter than many of us expect. I do think that Benfica will advance over the two legs, but perhaps given that this is now sort of Inter's last chance to really salvage something, certainly on the continental stage this season, I think that they'll run Benfica a bit closer than maybe we
3: suspect. I'm saying that Manchester City score three goals against this Bayern Munich defence, and I'm also predicting a low-scoring Benfica game against Inter Milan. I can see it being 0-0 or 1-0 to either side in that game. James, give me a quick prediction, Mike, and then JJ, real quickly. Yeah, 2-0 win for Man City and 2-1 for Benfica. Mike,
1: I'm going 3-1 City and uh, 2-1 Benfica.
4: I'm going 1-1 in the City game, and I think I went 1-0 Benfica
3: in in the Inter game. All right, we're going to take a quick break. More to come from us when we return. CBS Sports Galato Network, the first of one of its kind a free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage, is launching tomorrow. Yes, that's right, Tuesday the 11th on the CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount+. Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot at 7 a.m. Eastern with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show. Plus, don't miss the rest of our comprehensive programming lineup, including live matches and re-airs, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and so much more. CBS Sports Galato Network is the ultimate year-round streaming destination for fans of the beautiful game.
1: Is there don't anything I can watch in the
3: afternoon, Ian, if I've had a bit of a lie in? <laughs> just going to say watch the space maybe see some news breaking soon just oh. watch the space oh. <laughs> <laughs> now this is gonna be great obviously great for everybody in the United States of America to have 24-7 soccer especially you young ones out there I know we are obviously targeting a certain age group and we see it on our show but the young ones out there who are looking for soccer content getting a free 24-7 soccer channel right on your device uh, we're coming for you make sure you switch on every single day (laughs) welcome back everybody you're watching House of Champions Ian Joy James Bench Michael Hood and Jonathan Johnson with you We turn our attention to Wednesday's fixtures of the UEFA Champions League Uh, looking forward to the first light games between Real Madrid and Chelsea Uh, AC Milan and Napoli two cracking games of course on Wednesday and these ones are very close to predict here James I'm coming to you first on this one because as we turn our attention to Real Madrid versus Chelsea you said something the other day that, that caught my attention very much so <laughs> and that was that you believed that even though and you were right by the way Chelsea were going to struggle at the weekend against Wolves that they had a chance of knocking Real Madrid out of the Champions League and before everybody in our comments goes crazy Let's listen to James and hear what he has to offer us. Come at me. Come at me, internet. <laughs> uh, I do appreciate that this could
1: backfire <laughs> quite spectacularly. <laughs> However, I am more confident now than I was last week, not less, in spite of another insipid Chelsea wow. performance in mm. the Premier League. What do, why do Real Madrid win... Champions League games they win it because they get your midfield in a blender they dominate you they they set the terms of engagement because they have the best midfield on the pitch i would contend that this is subject to ngolo kante being as good as he was against liverpool last week i would contend then that madrid do not have the best midfield on the pitch uh, enzo fernandez has taken to the Premier League like a duck to water. He is uh, the second most effective uh, player in terms of passes into the final third, second in terms of line-breaking passes. He is a pass master. He is a player that can set the tempo. He will have next to him, you would assume, N'Golo Kante and Mateo Kovacic, who can do everything in midfield and quite possibly have legs that that maybe Modric and Cruz don't. If you can set the terms of engagement in midfield, you just close off some gaps that allow Madrid to get quick ball out to Vinicius, that, to get the service to Karim Benzema. This Madrid team isn't perfect. Or this Chelsea team certainly isn't perfect. But I, I think Chelsea can win the midfield battle. And if you do that in any game against any opponent, you've got a really good chance. And by God, I could be looking stupid in eight or ten. Tonight, <laughs> but let's go for it. You know, you live once, I think Chelsea are gonna set up an all English Champions League semifinal.
2: Wow. You know, James, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm wondering what the hell have you been drinking? <laughs> because um, I'm not seeing it. <clears throat> I wasn't seeing it before Frank Lampard took can, over. can I
1: just say, Rafa's asked the right question there. Which is who <laughs> one of the goals. Thank you.
2: That's exactly why I'm no not no seeing it with this no, no, Chelsea team <laughs> <laughs> in the first leg. <laughs> no, I'm not. Look, they scored two goals in their last four matches. One shot on target Saving against Wolves. One shot on target. It, you can shoot from distance. You can do it. But if you're only getting one shot on target against Wolves, oh, man, I'm not feeling good for Chelsea at all. They don't have an answer for Vinicius Jr. Yes, Rhys James. That's going to be a hell of a matchup to watch. But the form that Vinny Jr. is in right now, Kareem the Dream plays when he wants, and it just happens that he loves to play in the UEFA Champions League when he wants, which is every time Madrid have a knockout stage game. This is a scary matchup for Chelsea, but we've seen it before. This Chelsea team find a way to claw and make it competitive, make it close. I don't see it. I think Madrid, they will grow in this game. I see Chelsea coming out of the blocks, but I see Madrid being the ultimate winner. There's too much talent on the field for Chelsea.
4: I mean, I think if Chelsea, uh, you know, could pull off the rare feat of scoring the opening goal and an early goal, that could actually be really bad news for them. Because I've been saying this for a couple of weeks about Real. They're at the stage of their season now where they don't have anything to play for in La Liga. You know, that's gone. Barcelona romping, you know, way clear now at the top. Uh, They do have that shot at Copa del Rey glory, uh, having beaten Barcelona to get to the final and they seem now to be picking and choosing the games where they deliver the best performances. I think if Chelsea make a strong start, that will make Real Madrid feel like they're really in a Champions League quarterfinal. The danger, I think, for Real is that Chelsea are a bit insipid, very average. Uh, and, you know, Real suddenly feel like they're major favorites. I think when faced with adversity, this Real side wakes up and it's capable of delivering very, very strong performances when they feel threatened. And perhaps, you know, what James was talking about, this possibility of maybe seeing Conte coming back and being at a similar level uh, to, uh, he was, to how he was against Liverpool, Is perhaps what Real Madrid need in order to make themselves feel like, you know, Chelsea are a team that they need to take really seriously. Because I think based on what they've been seeing from Chelsea over the last couple of weeks, I don't think they're going to be too worried. And perhaps complacency is actually the, you know, perhaps they're going to be the route to their downfall.
3: Well said, all of you. Very well said. And um, I love the fact that you're all speaking from experience, knowledge, passion, and uh, what you really believe is very important to do so. Like a lot of our followers and listeners right now who are in the comments producing some absolute gold dust here. This one starting from Ed. He says, Fat Frank hasn't got a chance. Don Carlo ain't even going to need to raise his eyebrows. <laughs> Amy said, Real Madrid 5-1. Kishwan, he said, Kante will be the best player on the pitch. Rafa jumping in and saying, "James, who on earth is scoring past Courtois?" <laughs> Musto five one Real Madrid. Ed jumping back in. Might need to start doing some random drug testing on this podcast because <laughs> James is definitely on something. That he is.
2: Oh man, brilliant!
3: There was one more in a here, long weekend. Keish one jumped in and said, "Kai Havertz is afraid of scoring goals." <laughs> 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 Absolutely,
1: the the, 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 the goal he didn't score against um, Liverpool is the most Chelsea 22 23 thing I've ever seen. Where the ball bounces in off his arm, Uh, I think I have to say, like, yeah, this is the whole problem with my theory is that someone at Chelsea has to kick a football into a goal, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah,
3: maybe Antonio Rudiger will do it for them when you put it out there, like you have done, if it doesn't hit it's okay, nobody expected it to hit anyway. But if it hits, you can't believe it, that we're rewinding this tape, and it's going all across yeah. this, this Galazzo network. We're starting with this comment right here. James Bench, front and center. Oh, uh, real man. quickly, before we move on from this game, JJ, I want to come to you on this one here, because uh, this was an interesting story about Valverde and Alex mm-hmm. Ben uh, Buena in the car park after the game. Now, unfortunately, I did play, and many a times I left it, away from the field, into the tunnel, into the car park where nobody can see. But apparently the car park is an area where everyone can still see. <laughs> and this was a problem for Valverde at the end of the day, JJ. This is a crazy story.
4: Yeah, it is a crazy story. But I think, you know, sort of when you take into account the sort of severity, the kind of backstory behind it, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, it's it's been sort of well documented the last couple of days about sort of how he and his partner have, uh, you know, uh, found... Uh, his partner's pregnancy under under quite significant risk of late, you know, to have sort of a player throw that kind of thing out there. I mean, in many respects, you kind of expect, uh, you know, trash talking, uh, you know, I mean, certainly the Uruguayans are no uh, strangers to, to that those sorts of tactics, but equally, you know, there are some things that get said that come, you know, quite close to the mark. And, uh, you know, I think it was Gus Poyer who was saying, like, if, in, if he was in Valverde's situation, he'd have done the same thing. I mean, I think, you know, we're all human and we can sort of relate to, you know, reacting that way when something as serious as that has been said. But equally, uh, you know, it's also not a great look when you sort of have that premeditated response where you're sort of waiting for somebody in the car park, you know, you have that opportunity to reflect a little bit, do the right thing, and then apparently you still go and chin the person afterwards. So, uh, you know, I can understand why the, the reaction has been so explosive, uh, you know, but equally, um, you know, I think, unfortunately, this is just, kind of, you know, par for the par for the course, uh, you know, sometimes, and you have to expect that some opponents are going to dig really, really deep, try and get under your skin to try and wind you up. Uh, and it's up to you to sort of be the bigger person, even if we can understand why it's provoked such an emotional response.
3: Chat shit, get banged, my theory, end of the day. <laughs> you're going to go there, and you're going to go deep into my story. You best believe it, I'm waiting for you in the car park. I got a lot of respect for people who wait until they're off the field, away from danger. And, and maybe it, you don't get to turn to violence. I understand that, and I respect where you're coming from as well, JJ. It doesn't need to go to violence. But if you're going to have this discussion, and it has, is going to get heated, you're better to do it away from the field than you are in front of a million cameras. It's just unfortunate that this story came out, and uh, certainly unfortunate to see this type of story stop in football Uh, let's move on AC Milan against Napoli Uh, Mike I'm coming to you on this one here Um, this one one is a crazy game by the way I have no idea which way to go in this game now I don't James is smiling JJ is wondering what I'm about to go and say here but I'm coming to you first Mike on this one Um, there is a chance that Osman could be available for this game what fitness? We have no idea. Is it yeah. a risk throwing him into this first leg? I don't know if it's worth that risk. Yeah. I think maybe you look to try and get a result in the first game and then get back to Naples. Um, but then is that, be careful what you wish for status there after what happened when Milan absolutely banged them by four goals in uh, Naples only recently. Your thoughts on this time? I think we'll see an Napoli side take a more cautious approach. They barely
2: squeaked through. An own goal was the difference at the weekend against Lecce, who... We said it in the previews, the weekend previews, Lecce keeps it tight, but there is a nervousness about Napoli. And you, you see this with teams that are on this miracle run throughout their season. They get the chink of their armor, and this time it's through injury, through their talisman. Going away to Africa, I've been there as a player. When you pick up an injury in one of those games, the travel back, it comes at the worst time for this Napoli side. I think you go the safer route. You do the bigger picture. This isn't. You're not going to win the, the the tie over one match, but you can sure as hell put yourself in a hole if you really go for it and find yourself four goals down. I think this is going to be a much closer game, less expansive than we saw in that Syria drubbing that Milan went to Napoli and gave him four. Rafa Leal, this guy is just a revelation for Syria on the last two seasons, and Brahim Diaz. Those two players. I think that Pioli he will look to them to be the ones who rattle this Napoli side without Osiman. For Milan, you have to smell blood in the water. You have to really go for it because when Osiman gets back for this second leg, and it's been reported that he's been in individual training leading up to this match, typically that's a more cautious approach saying, hey, we may put him on the bench. We may not. We'll save him for the second leg. You have to take advantage. You have to get as many goals as possible. It won't be easy because this Napoli defense has been stingy throughout the season.
1: Just quick update on Ossiman that's kind of come out in the last hour or so. Um, it sounds like today as well, there was hope he might have joined group training today. But yeah, as Mike sort of alluded to there, he's been training on his own. So pretty unlikely um, that he will be able to feature from the off. couple of thoughts on this from a Napoli perspective. First of all, I think you can throw that 4-0 result, certainly from Napoli's view, just throw it in the bin. Spalletti came out and basically said, look, we had no motivation. Milan had all the motivation fighting for their top four. Spot. So I'm not too worried about that. I'm actually more worried about that performance against Lecce because if you're looking for a slightly worrying trend in terms of Napoli and where they've been at, they do have been giving up a few more chances than you would expect from a team of their standard offset pieces. Um, I mean, Samuel Titi is obviously a really dominant force in the air, but so is Olivier Giroud. Like, This Napoli team is so good that you do find yourself picking at the tiny details. But those tiny details, this is the stage of the season where they can go from little fissures to big cracks. Um, So maybe, yeah, keep an eye out for what Olivier Giroud can do in the air, even though I would say Napoli have to be strong favourites with or without Ozymane.
4: I mean, I think these kind of moments as well are a big test uh, of, of a team like Napoli's credentials. You know, they're looking like strong favorites in Serie A, logically, uh, you know, given the lead that they've built up for themselves. And they have a great chance uh, in the Champions League as well, given the the way that the draw has fallen. But equally, you know, they're, you're not going to run through an entire season absolutely annihilating some of the teams in the way that Napoli were earlier in the season. There's going to be some moments during the campaign where you have to grind out the results. And Napoli are in that phase right now where, you know, they know ahead of this two-legged encounter, uh, you know, that they can, you know, come out on top of Milan, you know, if they play at the best of their abilities. That doesn't necessarily mean killing it in this first leg. So, you know, if the you know, the sort of players to get Ozzyman back involved and to, you know, to really be, uh, you know, somebody you can have a say on the remainder of their season. It's better to to not risk him here, to go into it, you know, perhaps, you know, consider that coming out of this with a draw is not the worst result. I agree with Mike. I think it's going to be a tight one. Um, I can see Napoli maybe just about scraping the wind, but I don't think necessarily being pushed close by some of their Serie A opponents of late is such a bad thing for this Napoli side because they're going to have to, you know, absolutely claw their way to victory in some of these remaining games this season in order to have, uh, you know, as good a chance of success, certainly on the continental stage. Uh, So for me, I think that perhaps it's in many ways ideal preparation coming into this one. And like I said before, a good result doesn't necessarily have to be a win. Certainly not at this stage, if they can come away with the draw, that sets them up nicely, uh, you know, for that second leg at home, which I feel will be
3: decisive for this. Nothing better preparation-wise for AC Milan than after beating Napoli by four goals to nil away from home than a nil-nil at home to Empoli ahead of this one. What a shocking game that was, by the way. 24 shots in that game from Milan, four of them on target. It was an absolute nonsense game. They thought they scored a winner at the end of the game, Giroud did, but it was a little handball and in the end finished nil-nil. Quick predictions, we'll go James, Mike, and then JJ. Real Madrid, Chelsea, AC Milan, Napoli.
1: Real Madrid nil, Chelsea nil. We'll save their goals. Uh, And then I think Napoli are going to win 2-0. I can't remember what I said. JJ and I will tell you, we have to write like 700 different versions. (laughs) 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 Every Champions League week. I don't know what canon is for me anymore, but I think Napoli are going to
2: win 2-0. I'm going Real Madrid 2, Chelsea, big... That's zero. Um, and then on the Napoli-Milan side, I'm going 1-1 draw.
4: Guys, I'm going rogue. I do have Chelsea scoring along with James Bench, but I also have Real <laughs> scoring three times. I'm going with 3-1 Real. <laughs> and in, uh, in Napoli, uh, Napoli's game uh, against Milan, I can see them getting a 2-1 win. It really wouldn't surprise me if it's a score draw, but I'm going to, you know, stay uh, faithful to to the positivity that we've had towards Napoli all season long on the pod and I'm going to say they come out of it 2-1 winners
3: I'm going one nil in both games both home sides to win by one goal oh, no. to nil and uh, James Olivier Giroux to get the winning goal here for Milan in this tie. I thought I still think Napoli will go through, but I think Milan will get the job done in this first game. And then I'm intrigued. I think James might have just intrigued me a little too much about Chelsea. That's why I'm going for one 0 <laughs> Play it safe, right there. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it.
4: As James said, though, we've got our, our predictions are up in writing for days leading into the game, so I can't really back down now after some very convincing arguments.
3: I love that Love to hear it Everybody go check it out On the CBS Sports website as well Alright quick break More to come from us When we come up Turn our attention To what's happened In Europa League Next Should you ever Set
0: foot outside Of the motel You will be shot Don't miss The new Showtime Limited series Based on the International bestseller For the last four years I've been a prisoner
4: Why
1: are they keeping you here?
0: Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor This is the brave New world that you dreamt of Be very careful You are still a prisoner here.
1: Everything in this new world comes
0: at cost. This is still my country. A gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan
3: If you're a US-based fan of the beautiful game, Paramount Plus is an absolute must-have subscription from the NWSL to the Champions League to Serie A and so much more in between. Not sure if it's for you? Then you can try one month free by using the code NWSL2023. Welcome back, everyone. You're watching House of Champions. It's Ian Joy, James Bench, Michael Hood, and Jonathan Johnson with you ahead of this incredible UEFA week. Looking forward to seeing what happens in the quarterfinals across UEFA competitions. We turn our attention to the Europa League, now Manchester United Sevilla, Juventus Sporting Lisbon, Nord Roma, by Aleva Leverkusen against Union Saint-Someone. And then, <laughs> of course, Michael, it's your turn to go. First, Manchester United Sevilla Rashford injury must be a concern mm. for you, right? Yes, very, very, very
2: much concerned. There's been question marks of is and are United Rashford dependent? Yes, the answer is yes. They do have Casemiro back in the fold, that's proven to be very important. But where are the goals going to come from? If anyone in the group chat says, Horse, I'm coming to your house, and you and I are going to have a very difficult conversation, not seeing it with that guy. But the fact that Anthony Martial did get a goal at the weekend is going to be massive for his confidence and massive for potential production. But the big question mark is how long Marcus Rashford is out, because that will have an implication on the rest of their season.
3: You think they get the job done, though, Mike? I mean, you don't sound too confident here. This is Sevilla that pretty much have their name already stitched on this trophy. I mean, they should have renamed this a few years back, but this is not the same Sevilla side, I would imagine. I, I, I do think they, they get the job done. Watching
2: Sevilla versus Celta Vigo. Sevilla are a team that find ways to throw games away this season. They're, there's not as much of that savviness. They're an emotional side. El Nesri, he has been the player in form for them. Not so much in the Europa League. And Eric Lamella, he's really come to life in the second half of the season since the World Cup. Those two players will make it difficult for United. I think it's going to be more difficult being the home team in this tie for United than being the away team. I think making competitive, grinding out a result away to Sevilla is going to be important, but then managing the game in that second leg is going to be how they win this tie.
1: One thing I'd just uh, dive in and say credit to Man United and to an extent credit to Tottenham uh, for kind of ending this top four race or near enough ending it. So, one of the the real advantages is, you know, as Mike rightly Noted there, the, the problem they've got is it's gonna be really hard to score against Sevilla. But at least Ten Hag can go at both these games pretty much full strength. Nottingham Forest away in between them. The city ground is a very hard place to go, but Forest have, have dropped off a little bit. So I would think Ten Hag will look at these three games and think I can I can hold some players back in the Premier League, even if we do drop points, we've got enough wiggle room there. Um, That to me means you kind of have to make United quite strong favourites for this tie. Because Sevilla are rubbish as well. I mean,
4: when you say that the race for the top four is over, does that mean that you're convinced that I'm raised Aston Villa are
1: breaking into it? Let's be crystal clear on this. That is, if anyone that follows XG even takes a cursory glance at Aston Villa's XG, it's going to end in tears sooner or later. That's all I'll say.
3: JJ, can I turn my attention to Juventus against Sporting Lisbon? With you, Juve losing at Lazio um, this past match day, um, this is a tough one to call. Actually, Sporting Lisbon. Obviously, we don't expect too much from them, but Juventus still have a vulnerability about them. What do you expect them from this tie?
4: Yeah, they do have a vulnerability vulnerability about them, and they still, you know, are fighting to get themselves back into the, uh, you know, the real, uh, you know, European qualifications uh, places in Serie. A. For the remainder of the season, obviously, we know that they had, you know, that 15-point deduction uh and, you know for me you know normally i would have favored juventus but the juve they've been such a difficult watch throughout the majority of the season even when they had that uptick in form recently that's pushed them back into contention in the league it's still not been entirely convincing and sporting sporting had their moments where they looked very good in the champions league uh, you know obviously uh, you know dumping out arsenal is nothing to be sniffed at you know at this stage as well so for me i think that this you know potentially has the makings of being you know one bridge too far for for Juventus obviously they've got that base level of ability and quality where they're able to blow away teams like Nantes despite a fantastic atmosphere for that second leg but you know coming up against Sporting that's an entirely different beast and I feel like Sporting could be really tricky customers for Juventus I think it'll be close over the two legs but it really wouldn't surprise me if Sporting avoided defeat away from home and then managed to get the job done once they take it back to Portugal.
1: Can I throw in my favourites to win the Europa League? Uh, I think Bayer Leverkusen, who have won hmm. somewhere in the region of seven or eight games straight and are really starting to look like a force under Xabi Alonso. This is this is the team to watch out. I think their path to the final is a little bit easier than United's, whether it's Juventus or Sporting that get through. Um, and Ian, I know you'll agree with me on this. I think they might have the best player in the competition in one Florian Wirtz, who I have been going on about for years um, and great to see him. Was it two assists at the weekend as they kind of took apart Eintracht Frankfurt, a good Eintracht Frankfurt team? Um, the only thing you would say with Leverkusen is they're playing so well and they're winning so many games that suddenly the idea that they can just focus on the Europa League, it's a little bit out there. You know, they've got, they could achieve something in the Bundesliga as well, but a fantastic team. They play really proactive front-footed football. They play the football you would expect a Xabi Alonso team to play. Um, Union Saint-Gilois, I'm I'm not taking them lightly for an instant. I just think Paya Leverkusen are really, really special. And they're the one I'd keep an eye on if I'm unfamiliar with the Europa League teams. No, if I like
4: could just off. jump in and oh, uh, piggyback on James's question to add to Ian as well, I've noticed that Amin Adli has come back into contention as well. Very talented uh, young player, fantastic, uh, you know, ability, and it seems to have woken up Moussa Diaby as well. Uh, you know, do you think that sort of this kind of goal glut that they showed certainly when they knocked Monaco out is something that they could continue for a couple of? you know, rounds further because that seems like a very, very potent mix when you have Diaby, Adli and Vitz, you know, all firing at the same
3: time. By the way, they've still got a lot of injuries, Leverkusen, that they're dealing with right now. And the fact that they're not at full strength is a bit of a concern. But the fact that they're in form right now, as James pointed out, here's a couple of stats here to back you up, James. Leverkusen won seven in a row now across all competitions. They're unbeaten in nine games across all comps. And in the Bundesliga in particular, they're unbeaten in six, won the last five consecutive and scored 15 goals in the last four games in the Bundesliga. I mean, they're scoring goals now. And I think Xavier Alonso, it, it, it took him a minute here just to get hit right for the the way he wanted it. It also took a minute to get Florian Verts back healthy. Also took a minute to get Adley back playing, to get players confident again. And he's not got a full-strength squad. So that tells me mm-hmm. there's more to come from this Leverkusen side. And Adley, by the way, at the weekend, J.J., The way he took that first goal was phenomenal. Such composure. Never thought he was as quick as he was. He showed it at the weekend how quick he was and um, emphatic composed finish as well to follow suit. I'm just impressed with what Xabi Alonso is doing with his squad immensely. I mean, I'm really, really impressed. And I think that they've got a real opportunity to do damage in the Bundesliga now and potentially get themselves into a top four finish. Um, But I wouldn't put it past them from being a team to be worried about in this competition. If they can get past this Union Saint-Germain squad, who obviously have had success against Union Berlin, and they scored, a, I think they scored three goals in Berlin in yeah. that first leg. So they are a danger and they're a team you can't take lightly because Union Berlin are not an easy team to beat either. But Leverkusen are definitely my favorites. Let's finish with Roma uh, real quickly before we get out of here. Um, there's a great story coming up before we discuss this game. Michael, come to you on this one here. Mourinho's devastating quote about Cassano. Um <laughs> this week. Producer Des loves this one. Cassano played for Roma, Inter, and Real. In Madrid, he is remembered for his jacket. With Roma, he won a Supercopa without playing. And for Inter, he didn't even win the Lombardi Cup. You know what? I won with Inter, Real Madrid, and Roma. He will have a problem with me and I won't with him. I'm not going to lie. I love the comments, even though I'm a huge Cassano fan. Mm. Um, this was an interesting quote and comment and timing for this, especially ahead of a big game against Feyenoord right now, who are a very dangerous side. Uh, one thing that I hope we've all learned
2: is don't mess with Jose Mourinho, especially in the press and through the press. This guy is undefeated. I mean, he has my most iconic quote. If I speak, I am in trouble. Don't mess with this guy. But on <laughs> the field, I think this tie is very intriguing. Feyenoord is having an amazing season in the the Eredivisie, top of the league. I think they're 10 points ahead of Ajax. No one saw that eight, coming. Eight points. Eight points, excuse me. My math is off today. But they're top of the league in the Netherlands. They're getting goals from everywhere. Up top, the guy that I love that's been their talisman in this competition, Santiago Jimenez. This guy played in Liga MX, and we've seen countless Liga Mekis players and players from the Mexican national team go over to the Netherlands. Eric Gutierrez at PSV having success. Now Jimenez having success with Feyenoord. In midfield, they're getting goals. It's not just getting goals from up top, but also in midfield with their Turkish attacking midfielder, Kirk Last season in the Conference League, he was one of their standout players that helped get them to the final against Jose Mourinho's A.S. Roma side. So a little bit of storyline there. For Roma, it's between two players. It's Pellegrini getting the assists, getting goals in this competition. Not as much in Serie A, but it's come to life. And Paulo Dybala, this guy was brought in to deliver performances. He has been their offensive juggernaut, especially in the last couple games.
4: Roma as well, climbing the Serie A table in third place in Serie A. See I'm going to have to be really biased on this one. Feyenoord are a massive threat with the Dutch uh, coefficient where it is like to to French football, so I'm really I've got my fingers crossed that Feyenoord get dumped out and that Nice do the business and go all the way and win the Europa Conference League. But in all seriousness, mm. that deep run that Feyenoord had uh, a year ago or so, that was absolutely crucial in boosting up uh, the Dutch coefficient, uh, you know, for for UEFA. So you can't write them out at this level. They are, you know, establishing themselves very, very well as a team to be reckoned with once again on the continental stage. I mean, I do still fancy Roma slightly because, you know, you have that wealth of experience that Mourinho brings. And obviously, you know, he's got in his sights the the potential to win the Europa League now, having won the Europa Conference League. And who knows, maybe he'll fancy himself for another shot at the Champions League at some point in the future, maybe not. But you know, for me, I think that Roma do probably still have the edge, but you cannot write off this final side.
1: Just uh, two things I wanted to end on. First of all, um, I want—I believe Des has got this lined up. So for those people watching on YouTube, uh, they can actually see this Antonio Cassano jacket, which I was unaware of before. Uh, before the um, Mourinho's quote, I can't quite tell. So it's a sort of corduroy-ish jacket with a fur lining that looks like he's just wrapped a fox around his neck, Game of Thrones style. He signed for Madrid. I assume in the summer, the guy must have been roasting alive. How on earth he put on so much weight if he had that jacket to, uh, to sweat out. Um, it is I think I terrifying. think there's actually a, fun, I think there's a funny point,
4: additional point to this story about him gaining all the weight. Does he not blame it on like the Nutella that got supplied by like club sponsors or something as well? Oh, I'm pretty sure what a, he does. What a,
1: what a guy, what a guy. And you know, though, that if he was still playing in 2023, he wouldn't be lighting up the Europa League because he wouldn't be good enough. He'd be lighting up the Conference League. And I just want to throw everyone <laughs> in the direction of the Conference League before we wrap up because there's some great games. I know, JJ, you mentioned Basel-Nice, uh, Fiorentina as well. They've got a, to got a feel like they've got a strong chance of getting some European silverware against Lech Poznan and also... Keep an eye on West Ham against Ghent. I can't think of many things more West Hamish than them winning a European trophy and getting <laughs> relegated. Uh, and that could happen because going away to Ghent and then uh, they've got Arsenal then in the Premier League, they're losing to Arsenal certainly on mm-hmm. Sunday.
3: Huh? final final comment uh before we get out of here james it was an emphatic uh result this weekend with arsenal and uh liverpool i'm gonna just leave it with you real quickly because that was a hell of a game right
1: yeah probably it was both like two points lost for arsenal and a point gained um, and i think that tells you everything about what a brilliant match it was who on earth knows it's impossible to know whether it's a superbly earned point that might win them the title, or if it is the two points that cost them, but just one of the best games you've I've seen in years. Um, and even the someone with, let's be honest, a bit of a rooting interest in it, I think you had to kind of at some <laughs> stage take a step back and go, wow, this was top, top Premier League football. See,
3: but I don't think Liverpool are that good. The- When you said that there, JJ was like, is he talking about Aston Villa? JJ, I'm happy for you, buddy. That's a hell of a run they're on right now. Long may it continue. Uh, Guys, excellent stuff. It's always great to speak to you guys. Uh, Welcome to another week, everybody at House of Champions. Uh, Go check out. We have an incredible schedule this week. We're going to be very busy, very active. Uh, Make sure you're following. Make sure you're listening. Make sure you're liking and subscribing. Make sure you're leaving comments. It means the world to us. And thank you to everybody who's jumped in the comments already. I'm very active this morning. We appreciate it. The Champions League is coming up. Europa League and Conference also coming up this week. You can catch it all on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. Uh, make sure you check out the Galato Network starting April 11th as well. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but we will be back. We will be very active here on House of Champions. And again, we'll be back on Tuesday post-games with everybody. And then again on Wednesday. But we also have shows in between as well with Thursday being a very active day. for is back on with us then. Um, thank you to everybody thanks to the boys appreciate you all enjoy um, your Monday enjoy everybody have a great day thank you so much to everybody out there who's listening uh, just to you in particular to listening to House of Champions take a minute as I mentioned before to leave us that rating and a review on your favourite podcast platform we're available at Apple Podcasts Spotify, Stitcher and anywhere else you listen to podcasts also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube and leave a comment House of Champions signing up see you again after the games on Tuesday Sunday, after the equalizer.
0: You collect rewards, right?
3: This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker.
0: You strong swimmer? so so. So so. So so's okay.
3: Justin Hartley stars. How you
4: survive, you make quick, smart decisions, and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool.
0: Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount.